Casting with Kerry Jones. Hi guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. And I want to start by thanking and welcoming my new patrons who joined this week. And I really appreciate the support of the channel. Lots more planned as well for the next couple of weeks. And those who haven't joined yet, please consider becoming a patron. We'll get access to over 90 past episodes, and weekly podcasts, bonus content, photographs behind the scenes to each episode, and other exclusive content and competitions each month. Before I go on to this week's guest, I just want to say I will be in Ireland now fishing for the Ferox throughout September, even though I've got some bookings lined up for the Ferox days. I have a few dates available. If anybody wants to join me and experience some outstanding fishing, these amazing specimen fish, give us a shot. Now on to this week's episode. This week's guest has a passion and love for wild brown trout, so much so that he left his home in UK and now lives in the west of Ireland and has his boat moored on the shores of Loch Corrib, where he fishes most days throughout the season. Well, as most of us, we will change our tactics from buzzers to, to nymphs to wets. It was plain to see his passion is fishing a dry fly on the loch, whether it's early season at buzzer time, or to imitate the olives, the mayfly, and through the sedges. He also talks of his love of the tie-in of Irish patterns. He has had great success over the years, with many fish, 4 to 7 pound range every season. He also talks of his timber boat, something which you don't see too many of these days, and I for one, am very envious. Welcome to my chat with Ted Werry. Evening, Kerry. Hello, Ted. How are you doing? All good. good. All good. Have we been out in the lake today? No, not today. No, not today, Kerry. No, It'll be tomorrow, I think, before I get out again. On the Corrib, you'll be then, is it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. You were saying the other day you were on. Um, you went over to Aran. I did. What totally was, it? Enjoyed was it? Was it a day trip? Was it? Yeah, just a day trip from Galway. Um, out to Aaron Innish Moor, um, spent about four or five hours on there, and then they bring you back past the Cliffs of Moa. Oh, so it was uh, oh, yeah, they? good trip. That's I've been a yeah. few times over the um, over to see uh, the Cliffs of Moor. What was it called? La Hinch, isn't it? And yes, uh, but that's I'm, right. I've never been over to Aaron, and and of course they look totally different from the water than what they do from the land. You know, you I get bet. a certain. Certainly, you can certainly see the height of the damn things. God, it's true. I know, I know. They, they get hit hard in the winter over there, don't they? They do, yes. Yeah, yeah. they do. Well, when I spoke to you um, yesterday, I noticed you didn't have uh, uh, a Galway accent. And it's uh, it's plain to see that you're actually not from Galway, are you? So what part of the country, no. the UK, are you from originally then? Was it Lincoln, you said? Lincolnshire. And what brought you over to uh, the West then? It was the, the, the wild fish. 
Um, I'd lost uh, in England. You it um, you'd you'd a job to find a wild fish anywhere. To be quite honest, um, even even though down on the test and all its carriers, they're, they're so heavily stocked now with them being commercial fisheries. And yeah. um, it was the wild fish, wild fish that attracted me to Ireland. And I suppose the the east side of England as well is more known for the coarse fishing, I guess, isn't it? It's, I don't think it's it is. Yeah, it is. I, I was fairly fortunate that a pal of mine um, rented a chalk stream in Lincolnshire called the Great Owl, and uh, we went in partnership and we formed a twelve twelve rod syndicate in that. All right. So uh, at least I had some decent river fishing there. But um, it's, it was getting few and far between in, in, in the UK, definitely. And there was, of course, there was nothing like the fish you could get in Ireland. No. Nothing at all. When did you first cast a fly on the Corrib? Um, on the Corrib, it would be, I would probably be late 70s. Wow. I would think on the Corrib. The first water I fished was um, Con. I fished Lock Con the year prior to that. Right. Uh, and. and um, I must admit, my year, my, my first year on the Corrib, that 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 set the rock for me. That was my lake for life, if you like. <laughs> uh, I, I, I know I had no vision to go anywhere else but the Corrib. Yeah. Um, and and as, as the years progressed, you developed, and we, we went to Mask and and Cara, and uh, I thought this is it. The Western Lakes are the only place to be for for wild fish. It grips it, doesn't um, it? I always said when I retired, I would sell up and, and come and live here, and, and, and that's what we've done. And when was that? That was seven years ago now. We've been here seven years. We always we always used to take four weeks holiday. I mean, fortunate. Um, I had a good business, so I could... Uh, my, my time was my own, so to speak, because my son was coming up to run it, um, and that gave me more free time. So we we always tried for four weeks on the Corriban, two weeks on the Mask in September. Wow! And we did that. We did that every year. So I noticed um, it's it's always been like home, really. Yeah, I noticed you've got your own boat, and a stunning boat it is. We'll come on to that later on the Corrib. Have you got one on the Mask as well? Then no, no. I've, I have a pal that uh, that has one on the Mask, so. He, he usually comes out with me on the Corrib and I usually go out with him on the mask, so it works quite well. Do you know what? It was um, the first time I came over, funny enough, it was a similar thing. It, it was Loch Con. I fished, first of all, and uh, I had a, a couple of weeks up there this one year. I think it was 1988, year of the strike. It was an international competition, oh, yes, yes. so I, I managed to fish it. And the guys there were saying, oh, you want to fish the Corrib? So anyway, the following year I did... And like you, then, jeez, it, it, it gripped me. I've been back every year since. Then. Oh, absolutely, there's no, there's no fish like them in the world in my eyes at all. No, they are, they are getting more difficult to get every year. I must admit, they, they uh, at, at least the, the larger fish are. There's but, no doubt about yeah. that. I think we're educated, you know, we're educated, I'm sure. Yeah, but you know what? It's. I, the, the place itself is more than the fish, even though, you know, obviously the fish are the best in the world, I think. I think, I don't know, the west, you're on that lake and you get that wind coming straight off the west, you can see. I don't know, there's a freshness in the air and the clouds are breaking. You get these shafts of light, these sunbeams regularly coming through 
dancing on the waves and there's that's a whole the thing about it, you know, and you could have... St- yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, absolutely. And the conditions can change in one day. You can have a, a flat calm going out, you're going to a hot day. Next thing, you could have hailstones and a wind and, and rainbows yeah. and everything all yeah. in, on the same day. Like It's certainly testing fishing and, that, and that's what I like. You know, you know the fish are there, and it's up to you to try and to try and get them. Although I, I do, I do, you know, I must admit, I don't like the go, going below the surface. Um, I'm a dry fly man, but I think that's the the river instinct in me, really. All right. Um, and and I think the river the river does teach you a lot, even even though the locks, you know, you you, you can you can read the feed lanes, you, you can look for the lies of the fish in certain places and. The river, the river's taught me a lot. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough uh, that I, uh, I came across a Gillian Island, which ended up being my best pal. Unfortunately, he was no longer with us. He died uh, a year after we moved here. But Dennis O'Keefe had been on the on the locks all his life. Um, he was reared on Sheeling. He he did all the Western Lakes, but his his favourite love was the Corrib. Yeah. And um, and of course he was a dry fly man as well, so he suited his boat, suited his boat. I mean he he was certainly one of the main reasons I moved to Ireland. And unfortunately, Kenneth, his son, is is exactly the same, and and we still fish together now to this day. Kenneth Kenneth Gillies on on Mask uh, uh, and Corrib and and Sheeling. Sheeling's his home home water because the family's from Cavan. All but, right, um, yeah. no. I, it's just a relationship that uh, you, you couldn't break. You couldn't, you couldn't believe how close we were, you know. And it makes a big difference when you when you have a boat partner like that. Um, they they treat me as family, and I treat them as family, and, and still do. You know, yeah. it, it, it was it was a one off. It really was. It so, is, would you f- you saying that dry flies is your thing? You would fish wets, though, I guess, and I guess buzzers. Do you or, I, or not? I, I would I would fish wets if I'm forced to fish wets. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's certain circumstances where, where you know, you've got to, for one reason or another. I'll give you an example. I had a guy come from England um, before COVID, another dry fly man uh, and a good angler. But we had, a, we had a whole day there and never, ever rose a fish nowhere on the lake. And I did say to him, look, Andy, I think uh, from tomorrow you're going to have to try the wets. And it was a good job he did. He ended up with 47 fish for the week. Wow. And, and it's a very good fish. Yeah. But they just wouldn't come to a dry. Um, yeah. you... I, I persevered on the dry to see if I could, I could get them. So, they, you know, we found a place that would take them. But for some reason that particular year, it, it was the wet mayfly that was doing the business. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there are certain times that you, you've got to switch. Um, I, I don't... I don't buzz a fish as such uh, unless it's on the surface. But um, do you do you find that? Yes, um, there are. You know, I, I, I think especially on mask, they, they seem to take wet better. Oh yeah, on yeah. mask than the corrid for whatever reason. Yeah, I um, think that. Bay, where where I live, the, the wet wet flies in there. They they're a success probably for the first two weeks of the season and the last two weeks. Um, uh, and that's about the only time you'll pick them up on the wets in the bay. It's right. um, it, it's a difficult bay. It's full of big fish, full of big fish, but they're very, very difficult to get. Yeah. 
Well, I find usually, well, I, I find normally that wet flies, when pulling wets, I'll get more fish, but they'll be smaller. I think the smaller they fish will. tend they to will. go for the pulled flies than the dries. Yeah. And another yeah. thing, if you, you could be fishing in, in open water, in good shallow water, but in an open big bay or whatever, or over shallows, and I'll get good fish. But then if you're struggling then, I always go into the islands and fish along the shores of the islands, and you always seem to pull like a pound fish or something, you know. You, you always get smaller yeah. fish close to the islands, I find. That's right. It that's right. saves yeah. the day. It, 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 you know, it depends, Gary, what, what, I suppose what floats your boat. If, if I get one good fish in a day, you know, a fish between four and five or over, I, I'm well satisfied with that. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you hear, you hear chaps, you know, you're pulling on the island, have a cup of tea with them, and how many have had? Well, I've had 13, and this chap's had 16. Well, how many were keepers? Well, one of them, yeah. you know. Barely. And, and, that, and that's the difference. That's the difference. Have you had many fish that sort of four to five pound? Yeah, yeah, I have. I have. I have to say I have. Oh. I've worked for them because most, most days I'm on the Corrib. There aren't many days, well, due to the weather. That, that I miss days, but there aren't many days. I may only get out for two or three hours, but I try and get out every day. Some days all day, some days for two and three hours. It just depends on, on the day. And I sometimes go out and don't even take the rod. Um, I, I'll have a look at different places and I'll look, see what fly life is there, right. um, if fish are moving, you know, and uh, I, I just enjoy the water. And how far away are you from the the lakeside? About 100 yards as the crow flies. Really? Yeah. yeah. So have you got your own mooring uh, uh, as well, do you? I, I have my own mooring, but I have to say my, my timber boat, um, I bring it in, in every night. Um, yeah. she, she's garaged up every night and taken out in the morning. Yeah. I, d- I don't like leaving a timber boat on the lake, I must admit. You were saying, going back, going on to how you started a fish before we go on back to the Corrib now. Was it something about the love of feathers you said you got into you the, into the fly fishing? It was, really, because um, Lincolnshire is a, a farming community and there's lots of estates and lots of gamekeepers. Uh, and, and as a kid, I, I linked in with two or three gamekeepers and went beating and all the rest of it before I got my first gun dog. And, and I, I, it's just, feathers fascinated me. I, I could never understand when they came out of the quill how they know exactly where to be blue or white or the barring on them. And the whole thing about feathers fascinated me. And, of course, then when you get into into fly fishing itself, and, and the first flies I ever saw was uh, actually a neighbour of my grandmother's. Um, and he, he used to hand-tie salmon flies. Right. Um, so I was introduced to that at, at, at quite a young age, although I didn't appreciate it as much then as I do now. But... Um, I, I just couldn't believe that you, you, you could make such a, a beautiful thing out of feathers that caught fish yeah. as a child. Um, and it, I, I, as I said, I caught fish right up till the age of, uh, of 20, to mid-20s, I would think. But I was, I was actually grouse shooting in Scotland, well, up on the borders. And um, we'd gone up there, and there was a team of eight of us taking the day, and unfortunately... The fog came down and it had to be cancelled. And the guy that I'd travelled with had got his salmon gear in, in, in the car. And um, we actually went on to the NIF coming back 
Yeah. And um, he taught me to spay cast and got me into into fly fishing. Now, and, and, you know, I used to go salmon fishing three times a year, but I have to say I didn't enjoy it as much as I do the wild trout. I, I don't yeah. know why people think I'm crazy sometimes, but I do like salmon fishing, I but would, it doesn't give yeah. me the bug that a wild trout on a dry fly would give me. I'm with you there, yeah. Did you actually get into fly tying then after that period? No, no, I, I, no, I didn't. Um, it was it was quite a few years after that. I would be um, late thirties, I would think. Right. And um, I, I used to. Uh, there was four of us all used to go and take day ticket waters in Derbyshire, and the guy that was head keeper at Haddon Hall then was Philip White, who, who was a renowned fly tyer. Well, he, he then left the estate and he set up a tackle business. And um, he, he made some videos and I bought the videos off Phil. And we used to call and collect flies off of him if he was fishing the, the Y or the Laugh Hill or Derwent, wherever we was at the time. Uh, and watching his videos and a few books, and that really got me going. And I, it became a, a bug, really. I, right. I couldn't stop tying. Um, and, and still do to this day. But it, it, it was just the fascination of the feather itself that set me going, I must admit. But uh, I know. And, it, and it's one of those things, I, I mean, I couldn't be a professional tyre because you, you, you've got to be in the mood. I, well, I certainly have. Yeah. And, and sometimes I'll sit down and I'll tie two or three hundred flies and then I'll not touch the vice again for probably a month. Would you? It, it's, it's, it's just one of those things you've got to be, well, I've certainly got to be in the mood to do it. Yeah, and I, I take my hat off to people like Jackie Mann and um, and and you know Davy in Scotland. That they have to do it for a living, and oh, it must be a it must be a real chore some days. I know, and it's a strain on the eyes, I guess, as well. You know, when mm. you're forced to do it. But I uh, that's right. I noticed that's I right. I saw your flight tying room actually. I took a look at your Facebook page. That's quite some room you got oh. there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's it's quite a sacred room. The wife won't go anywhere near it in case she touches something or knocks something off. Or, <laughs> so I, I have the I have the dusting and the hoovering to do it there. But yeah, um, yeah the, 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 the Labradors was allowed in. They used to come in, but uh, you you collect stuff no, as well. I noticed a couple of different creels there and some nice reels. Oh and nets. yeah, I mean I, I got rid of a lot. You you built. So much of the collection up over the years that I, I couldn't move it all to Ireland. I mean, I gave a lot away to pals in England and, oh, and sold right. some stuff. And you, you just end up collecting and collecting and collecting. Um, and of course, you, you keep telling the wife it's worth money and it's worth money, which, which it will be when it's sold. But of course, when you die, you, you, <laughs> your children probably slam it in an auction and get 100 quid for the lot. Yeah. So you, you've got to be a bit careful with it. But yeah. she fishes as well, so she now knows what to. All right. What fishing tackle costs, so there's no sneaking stuff past the wind room. So when <laughs> into you, the fly tying. Room. So when you tie patterns, though, you got to tie twice as much. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and, and she is purely dry. She won't even pull a wet at all. Is it? She's she's purely dry fly. The good thing is, I noticed okay. with. Um, you know, I was only recently I've got back into tying through lockdown. Actually, I must have gone about ten years without even sitting at the vice. But um, there's something nice about Irish flies, mine, isn't it? The colours, the tones, the hackles. 
you know, they, they just... Oh, they, they, there are. And, and sadly, a lot, a lot of the Irish um, tyres that I got my materials off are no longer with us. I mean, Rob Tyne's colours were, were unbeatable. Yeah. Unbeatable. His, um, his claret, especially. If you if you get a claret in England, it, it's nearly purple. Um, it, it's nothing nothing like the Irish claret. You, you used to be able to hold it up to the light, Rob's, and, and it looked like dried blood. Um, that's the only way I can explain it. Really, it was it was a magic colour. Yeah. Um, and, and Lawrence Finney, uh, who unfortunately is no longer with us, was another pal of mine that um, was the same with his dying. Uh, I don't know what it is, but um, they just the colours over here. It's like the west of Ireland, golden all even. They, they can't be matched. You know, people have tried, but it, it's not easy. It's not easy to get that colour in. Yeah. Um, I've got into a bit of dying, but not a lot. Um, I, I think you've got to be really dedicated to be dying all the time. But the, the Irish, the Irish colours are absolutely fabulous. Yeah, fabulous. There's a good friend of mine now, Jimmy Terrell. He's, he's a professional flight tire, and yeah. he he won't die. He said it's a dangerous thing. You know, these these, these fellas these days are doing a lot of dying. He said, you know, they're taking a risk. They I do- had this conversation with. Uh, I had the conversation with Rob when he was alive, and, and of course Pickering came into it all, which was never a good thing in my eyes. He, yeah. A fabulous colour, but um, I, I, even even tying, I didn't like using it because sometimes you lick your finger or something to get some seals fur into position, and it was it was just one of those things. And, and, and Lawrence was the same, and unfortunately they both got the same disease. And it did make you wonder whether the picnic had got something to do with it. I must right. admit, but um, it, 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 you know, they both ended up dying very young, right. unfortunately. It's it's all pleasure fishing you do. You do any? You don't do any of the competitions, seen do you? The, the, the only competition I do are, are, are club competitions just for the crack. I'm not yeah. a competitive angler at all. You know, right. I, I, I think competitions teach uh, people a hell of a lot. I will say that because you get varied in boat partners um, from different clubs and different tactics and uh, even different ways to tie flies. You know, there's always so you never stop learning. I'm in my seventies. You know, you know, I learn things every day, um, yeah. whether it be on the lake or, or insects or whatever it is. You, you, you never, you're never too old to stop learning. Definitely not. Yeah. Definitely not. And I mean, you, you think the tackle we've got today. You think the fish would be a very big disadvantage to what they were years ago, yeah. but I, I, you know, I feel whether it's because I mean I, I agree with captive release, I do, um, but it makes you wonder if we've actually educated a good stock of the fish uh, by putting <laughs> them back. back. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's only like you sat having your evening meal and somebody throwing a grappling iron through the the window and sticking it in your mouth and yucking you out, really. It's the thing <laughs> that gonna, I wouldn't think you could get very easy. You're not going to order it again, then, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, I certainly don't find these wild browns as stupid as rainbows anyway. That is a fact. That's 100% that is. No. And I think that's the that's the thing. I would rather work for... I I got a couple of friends that have, over the years... Like, I fished a cardio, like I said, since eight, 18, nine, I think it was. And... Uh, I've had a few friends of mine come over with me and they've had a couple of years and it's not for them. And they, most of them, you know, the converts, like me, they just love it. But there's a couple of people, they, yeah. like, they like the numbers. 
if they don't go out and get a dozen fish, uh, they're not interested in it, you know. But uh, no. it's, it's not for everyone, but the, the, the joy of getting a three or four pound trout in your net at the bottom of the boat makes the trip worthwhile, I think. Absolutely. I mean, we had, we had the sea eagle here. Um, uh, when would it be? Probably eight, eight, ten weeks ago now. And I, I had two pals over from the UK fishing. And they both fish all over the world. They're very wealthy chaps and can afford to go bone fishing and marlin fishing. And they're, they're just fishing mad. But the, he said he'd never had three days like it and all the places he'd been. Um, I mean, he had good weather while he was here, and the sea eagle was here, and it actually came over the boat about 20 foot up. Wow. And he said it actually made him holiday. And he, he, he had one good fish for the three days, but he didn't care. He, yeah. he had such a, he, he thinks the colour is wonderful, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it is, you know, you can go out there every day, and, and, and it, the wallpaper changes in your office every day of the week. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to come up with. It's brilliant. So, how has your season been this year? It's been it's been slow and it's been patchy. Um, the, the mayfly was very patchy. If you was in the right place at the right time, you got fish. And I, I did have some good fish in, in, in the mayfly, but you, you'd have one good day and you'd have five bad days. Um, and and mask was the same. Um, I, I went up there with, with, with Kevin Sheridan, a pal of mine, and uh, as I said, we. We exchanged days with each other. And I, I had a real good day on that guy. I had six fish and not one was under two pound. And then we went for two weeks and I think we got three fish in the two weeks. It's, um, it, it's been very, very patchy, but the insect life has been diabolical this year. Diabolical. It seems to be getting worse every year for whatever reason. Um, I say the house we're in is, is white on the outside. The first year we were here, you, you don't leave a window open. You certainly don't put a light on and open the door because the ceiling would be full of buzzers and caddis and you name it. We, we haven't had a buzzer on the house for the last two years. Really? Um, and very, yeah, and very few caddis. And um, I say you notice it with the bird life and, and the, even the bats. We, we, we had a good lot of pipistrels around the property. that They've all gone. Um, I, I look after a, a property next door for a, for a guy that comes fishing. It's his holiday home, and he has two stables that he doesn't use. But there was a, uh, two lots of swallows nesting there, and they were just about to fledge. And I went and looked at them, and both were dead. Both nests were dead. The parents had just left them and thought, well, if we either feed ourselves or feed the young. So they fed themselves, and off they went. And, uh, and that's, that tells you something about the fly life. Uh, it, it really does. I mean, people people are on about the pike in Corrib. The pike never bothered me in Corrib at all. Um, I, I, I was far more interested in, in insect life and what was happening to that. And, and there's certainly, you, you know, the roach population is just exploded on the Corrib. Exploded. You, you can nearly see fry of all different sizes from the end of February right through to the end of the season. It just seems to be permanently there. Um, I mean, I, I have been out in the winter on the boat just to look round, and, and I took the wife and we videoed, we videoed a shoal of ropes. There must have been 2,000 in, in, in this shoal. And they were there for the best part of a week and a half. It, it's just incredible, incredible. Yeah, well, I... they, they must be doing so much damage to the fly line. 
I know I know they're not bottom feeders, but you know, pupa does come to the surface at some point, and and I, I think they're taking stuff mid water. The trout are certainly eating more fry now than they've ever done. I mean, you can catch them all all months of the year, and they'll spoon fry on the deck at times. That's one thing I've noticed over the well, the last twenty years. You can see twenty plus years. There's a lot more bigger trout now uh, in the lake than ever there was. I, I'm catching more when I'm trolling. This is now. I'm catching far yeah. more sort of seven to eleven pound trout than I ever have. And um, yeah. So the numbers, and I think people on the fly are catching the odd more fish, sort of six pound, seven pound. So they are, so they are actually yeah. feeding on the roach, I guess. Then, which are, which are yeah, taking well, over. You know, roaches certainly put weight on them. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I honestly think they're one of the main damages to the corrid. You know, I mean, people talk about slurry, which of course doesn't help, and detergents and everything else. It's, it's a conglomerate of things. It's not just one thing. Uh, and, and it, you know, it's happened so quick, really. I mean, 15 years ago, it, ne- it never crossed your mind. But I suppose when you're living with it, you don't always notice things. But like yourself, coming back for holidays, you think, well, God, that's, that's deteriorated within 12 months. And, and if you're local and living on it, you don't always spot those things. Feel free to visit my online shop on my website where you will find a selection of my most popular Irish sign prints plus a choice of ghillie kettles and cooking accessories. Or if you would like to experience one of my guiding and instruction packages, feel free to message me. Or again, take a look at my tuition and guiding page at castingwithkerryjones.com It's such a big lake though. I think you can have different ecology sort of areas And, you know, they could be good in one spot and it might be bad in another spot. I know fellas that have gone over from here in the uh, beginning of May, when well, and April, friends of mine, they've gone out and they've had a bonanza fishing the buzzers. Yeah. Not, probably the best yeah. year they've had this season than they ever had. I've learned as well this year a big difference. I, I've, over the years, I've either gone fishing out from Kong or from Uttarad for years and years. I've just done the same thing and... I've, done, I've had fantastic trips, great for the fly and for the yeah. troll. But this year, I wanted yeah. to change, and I, I went down towards uh, Basel Shields's. That's where I got my boat now. And it's a totally different area. It's south of Uttarad. And uh, honest to God, this year was the best year I've ever had on dries, on mayflies, yeah. put a can yeah. be, and I was having them you know, up to, to six fish a day. And they would, the biggest one I had would have been just over six pounds maybe, you know. And I was just loving yeah, it. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. I've learned, I thought maybe it's just a one-off. But, you know, talking to Basil and a few of the other anglers, and I can see really there's far bigger fish south of Uttarad than there is north of Uttarad. Mm-hmm. The average fish yeah. is much bigger. Now, I've never fished yeah. down by you, Ballynulty. Um, no, so, no. Uh, the, the lake, the lake does vary. There's no, there's no doubt about it. It's um, a, an area starts sooner than others. You know, you get a fly hatch um, earlier in one part of the lake than the other part of the lake, and, and there'll always be there'll always be somewhere that fishes. Yeah. You know, because it's such a big lake, and there'll be a lot of places that don't fish, and, yeah. and you can spend a lot of time motoring, looking, you know, and, and, and trying to work things out. 
Uh, and of course, if you've got pals that fish different ends of the lake, um, I mean, uh, if you took Cornamona, for instance, and Duras area, that they had a shocking, shocking mayfly. It, it just, it just didn't happen at all. Yeah. Um, I, I went up there with, with Stephen Lydon, um, and uh, I mean, it's a lovely, lovely area to fish, but uh, it, it just didn't come together. You know, for, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they, they, they were struggling with fly life of, of all descriptions. Yeah. But as you say, the buzzer, if, if, if you're into epoxy buzzers and, you know, I know, I know the Welsh guys that come over and, and stay with Porrick and, and, and you know them as well as I do. And, and their years get better and better. And I, I, I honestly think it's because the fish are staying down longer than, than they used to do, you know, and, and they're feeding on the buzzer and, and, and bottom feeding. Well, I'm coming over now, September, for a couple of weeks. What, how would you tackle yeah. September? What do you expect normally to happen in September? Well, September, you know, September would be my month for caddies. I, I, I would never have a sedge off my cast at all, on, 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 certainly on the dries. Um, and, and I would stick to that. And I also, if there, there is a, a, a touch of buzzer about, which it sometimes can be, um, I, I love fishing the Bob's Bits in size 16s and 14s in, in, in a claret. Claret, uh, I mean, yeah, I, yeah the, the two guys that come next door from Cork, which is their holiday home, they're, they're both dry fly men. Um, one, one fish for Ireland in, in, the, in the rivers. Again, he's a river man. Um, and, and he only fishes a single dry when he comes. And, and he gets good fish. You know, he gets good fish, as you said. You get the better quality to fish on the dry. You, you know, you, you've got to have the patience. That's the thing with the dry. I, I think people, if they're not pulling wet, they don't feel the fishing. Yeah. You know, they don't think they're doing it. Would and you... it's the same with the buzzer. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got to be, you've got to have yourself in control, not to move it. It, it, it really wants to, 90% of the time it wants to be static anyway. Yeah. You might slowly retrieve it on some occasions, but, and it's this restraint to stop doing it that, that, that a lot of the fishermen find the problem. When I fish um, dries, I normally, know, I normally fish two. Would you fish two or do you just... Yeah. yeah. No, I fish two. I do fish two. Unless it's a flat carp. And then I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. go on a tapered leader and a single fry. I mean, yeah. my best fish last year was £7.2 and that was in a, a flat carp. And it was by sheer luck. Um, we was in Ballycurran Bay, down near the lighthouse. And there was a, a dimple of a rise about two foot from the bank. And uh, I didn't actually spot it first. And my pal spotted it. And he said, I think there's a fish just moved there. And um, I, I knocked the engine off and we, we stopped. And it, and it, it was just a dimple again. And on a single mayfly. And uh, I, I threw it out and he, he just drank it. And it, it was seven pound two. Wow. But, it, but if, you're not, if you're not looking... For these things and these signs, you will go past a lot of feeding fish. I see boats come tearing past at all sorts of speeds, going from A to B, but you you can't actually see what's going in the water when you when you when you're doing that. And I I would have missed that fish if my pal hadn't seen it. You know, yeah. I was looking the other way. Yeah. So you 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 can soon go past them, but but to be fair, most of the big fish I've picked up uh, has been in the lee of the islands. You know, when you've been cruising around looking for a fish that's, that's picking stuff off near the shoreline. Yeah. Um, and, and usually 
that they're a quality fish that's doing that. The rises look nothing. You would, you would think it was probably a roach rising. And sometimes even when they take your fly, you know, the big fish, it's just a, a small suck and it's gone. And, and if you're not watching it, even in a, in a ripple, you, you can miss them. Yeah. They've certainly they've certainly altered the ways. I mean, when I first came to Ireland, you could see them splashing at olives 40 yards, 50 yards away, probably half a dozen fish coming up asleep. Um, and the same in the mayfly. But the fish seem to change. They don't splash at the olives in, in Ballinout here at all. It's a very, very shallow rise. And sometimes you, you, you've got beyond the ball to spot them. Um, and, and you may have to fish a, a nymph just under the surface in a lot of cases. They sometimes won't look at the dun at all. You know, yeah. you, 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 you've just got to try different things. They're there, yeah. and it's up to you to it's, try and try match with what they're at. There's so many different rise forms, isn't there? I, I experienced one day oh. this year, and I was fishing, put a Caron Bay, and it was one of those textbook days. It was a lovely rolling wave. And it was overcast, and it was it was warm, and there was so much fly coming off. Right, it was a race sometimes to see who was going to get the fly first, a trout or the gulls. The gulls were coming down, swooping down for them. And you know what? I had three distinct rise forms during that day, which I had fish. You had the splashy fish, you know, the savage, just up splash, and they're on. Yeah. And then you had one of those up and over on the side. I loved them. It's almost slow motion. You just see Mm -hmm. them. See the uh, the silhouette you can see coming over the top, and then all of a sudden, and then sometimes you you look in and you're thinking, was that a fish? Was that a rise? And then your line would just go, mm. you know. And uh, but yeah. it's it's just it's just great. I haven't done a lot with the olives actually, and this year I didn't see any olives because it finished by the time I was over there. But uh, yeah, that, that, olive olive can be very difficult, very very difficult to fish. Um, yeah. Uh, they seem to be getting harder every year. I think, uh, well, certainly in Ballinalty Bay and, and probably Ballycurran as well, we've had better fishing on the duns in September uh, than, than we did sort of end of April, beginning of May time. I, I always used to try and, or we always used to try and strike it when we came over on Holland. Is it? We used to come about uh, the 10th to 12th of May every year. And, and that way, we'd probably catch the tail end of the olives and the yeah. start of the mayflies. So it was always, and sometimes both, you know, if they overlapped. So you, it, for the dry fly, that, that just suited me down to the ground. But, yeah. but I do find they've got, they've got difficult and difficult year on year of olives yeah. to what they, they seem to be years back, you know? Yeah. Going back to September now with the flies, you see me fishing the sedge yeah. and the, the, bo- the claret bobs bits. Um, yeah. What about the daddy long legs? Yeah, yeah, I, I fish that as well, but it, it, it hasn't been the roaring success it used to be, yeah. uh, unless it's on my wife's cast. She seems to catch them in a bucket on a daddy long legs. But uh, they, they certainly. I mean, mask. That used to be one of my go-to flies for mask in September, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. They just they haven't fished as well as as they did, sort of six or seven years ago. Uh, and it's like fly tying. You'll tie something up and, and it'll do you a season and you think, well, I've cracked it now. And you'll use the same fly the following season and you can't get a fish on it. Yeah. So um, f- and that doesn't matter whether it's a daddy long legs or sedge or a bitch or wh- whatever it may be. 
get a warm evening yeah. and, and, and a nice warm breeze, it's, it's fabulous, you know, and especially up into dark. I mean, I, I, I go on Ankara with a guy um, probably twice a year. We, we don't go well 10 o'clock and we'll fish till probably one in, two in the morning. Um, but you need, you need the night for it. You need the warm. We, yeah. We've had so many, so many cold nights this year here. Um, I think I've been on the lake three times uh, after the evening meal. And, and it's, you've been an hour out there and you, you're freezing. You've had to come in. So you know it's not going to happen. It's just that the fly light's not going to come out. You know it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, well, uh, uh, and in the stage, Bay used to be one of my favourites on mass for the sedge late at night. Yeah. Um, and I've had two nights on this year, uh, and um, we've had one fish. That's it. It's just been too cold. Yeah. Too cold. Yeah. Did you have? Will you be fishing the uh, the dap at all? Do you ever fish the grasshopper in September? No, I, I don't. Uh, I mean, I have, I have guys come that, that do, and um, certainly the crickets uh, are very successful. Yeah. Uh, and they've been, I was talking to a guy, he's been fishing it now for the last three weeks, and he's had some lovely fish on, on the cricket. You know, they work. Uh, I mean, the DAP, the DAP can be very, very successful. Uh, you can get some big fish with it, but it's not everybody's cup of tea, again, is it? You know, oh. it's horses it's for courses. I mean, I, I'm getting old, but I'm, I'm not that old. I'm going to throw the fly rod away and pick the dapping rod up for good. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Would you actually fish Cara in September? Yes, I would. Yeah, yeah, that's I would. The, the only one time I fished Cara, um, and that was uh, in September, and I had a brilliant day. Pulling daddies then, actually, and they were all... Yeah. The, the, the trout there are so distinct, aren't they? It's so, you can tell oh, them right away. Yeah, but um, they are. They're, they're a lovely fish, and, and I think of all the Western lakes... That, that lake's got more nature about it than, than the other two. It, it's, it's a very soft-looking lake, I always feel, and the, yeah. and the, the nature that's around the place is just unbelievable. It is soft. Unbelievable. And a distinct colour, that like aqua. I don't know what it would be. That's uh, it. So what is your best fish to date, then, from Corrib, or from anywhere, really, then? Uh, my, my best fish is 710. Was that a Corrib fish? Oh, of Corrib, of Corrib, yeah. And what it was, is. and how did that come about? That that was that was on a bit, and that was on a, on on a warm evening, and that was in the bay out here, um, Bay Ballinalty, at the bottom of the bay. I'd, I'd gone out after after my meal, um, and I had three fish. I the, the first two fish was well between three and four pound, and wow. then then this monster appeared, um, and I. Uh, I landed that one, and then I lost one the week after. That were that was a double figure fish, um, and I should have photographed it because it was it was up going round on the surface, just round and round the boat at the top. Um, it knew it was in total command. There's no no doubt about that. But I, I think I think when we we're talking the other night, Perry, uh, uh, you you said something similar. All all the big fish I've had never tend to leave the boat far. They're That's not right. like the three and four pounders that strip your line off your reel, you yeah. know, like a runaway train. That's right. The big boys seem to, when you lift into them, you seem to know it's a good fish, and, and they, they they tend to wall around the boat. They might be deep, they might come up, they might go down again, 
but you, you never get those searing runs that you get. Well, I haven't anyway. Yeah. Um, that you get with you know with a fish of three pound, four pound, that they go like rockets. Yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the big boys just seem to think that, you know, they're no best and they're in control. And a lot of the time they are. There's no doubt about it. What I've found is... Uh, especially if you're training fishing and you're down on, on, on two and a half, three pound nylon. <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> you just can't, well, you, obviously you can't bully them if, it, if it's a good fish. You've just got to play along with it. Yeah. But, um, they're very bright and clever fish because what i found with the with the big lads, they, they'd around the boat, and like you said, they, they're there, they just stay down, and then they come up, and they go down. But because most of the time, when I'm trolling, I'm in the boat on my own, it's important to be on your own when you're trolling, I find, because when you've got one of these big fish on, he goes all over the place, around the boat, and you've, yeah. got, to, you've got to literally yeah. run to the bow, and then run back to the engine, because they try to get yeah. under. They go back and forth, so you've got to put the rod under the engine, under the boat, and you have yeah. some fun and games, like, you know. But, uh, oh, that's right. That's it, right. Are yeah, you, cer- certainly if, you've got a, if you're with a boat partner and that happens, you know, that, that, that they've got to get the rod in fairly quick and yeah. out of the way. Because as yeah. you say, you, 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 they're going round and round the place and, and they're, they're easily lost if, you, if you're doing something stupid and that's what they rely on. So what happened, when you, you lost, what happened when you lost this, uh, what happened when you lost this double? I'll, I'll not mention his name and embarrass him, but uh, a pal that fished with me was was going to do the netting of it once we'd seen it. Um, and I said to him, look, I said, he's took the point fly. For Christ's sake, what's the dropper in the net? Because I said, he'll, he'll just he'll just burrow down once he sees it. And, and I had him up on the surface oh, four or five times. Um, and and he, he then went on his side and he was ready to net. Well, he put the net in. And it, it didn't fit in it. it, it, it and it, for some reason, the fish stiffened rather than collapsing. Oh. And as it stiffened, it slid off the edge of the net. And lo and behold, the drop of fly <laughs> ended up in the net. And oh. you know what happened after that. Jeez. It was twanging away. But there was, there was certainly no words spoken in the boat for about five minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> five minutes? Jeez, that, that was, no. that would have been the end of a yeah. good friendship. That would have been. Oh, right. I mean, it was so close. We, we could have photographed it. I could see every spot on it. It oh. was, it was a magnificent fish, magnificent. Yeah. No. But uh, there you are, there you are. That, yeah. That's fishing, and uh, it, I, it will stay with me a long time. They sometimes stay with you longer than the ones you you catch, don't oh, they? They but, do. I've had some horrific moments where I've, I, I, <laughs> this one time, I hooked this one fish. And it was careless. It was a mistake I made, and I, I lost this fish, and uh, my head was totally in the shed. I came off the lake. I went back to the accommodation, the digs at the time. I had a, I booked a cottage. I did at the time, in Kong. I downed um, a tumbler full of whiskey, and I was fighting the tears back right, and then I I was I had about four days left on the trip now. And uh, do you know what? I couldn't go back out on the lake. I phoned Stenerline, booked my crossing. I just had to come home. It's, a, it's amazing how, how a fish can make that, make you feel so bad. Because I saw this bit. It was a 20 pound plus fish, this was. And yeah. I was in pieces. But um, there you go. You learn your lessons. 
You do, you do. The hard way. Yeah, you do. I, I was looking at um, your Facebook page, being as we're on big fish now, there's one fish I noticed. It looked huge, looked really good. I, I, I couldn't quite make out where it was. It looks like it might have been sheeling. Did you have a big fish in sheeling? Uh, no, I didn't. Now, sheeling's <laughs> my bogey. Believe it or not, I've, I've had fish. I've had, I've had good fish. I've had four and five pound fish on sheeling, which is good anywhere except sheeling, because when when you go there, you expect to get a pink. You know all the hours you put in. Yeah. But uh, I, I haven't had one there, and I know plenty of people that have, and I know a lot of people that's been going years and years that haven't, and and it it can be a very difficult place. Um, but you, do, you, you go back, uh, I think it draws you back because you know that they're there, you know, and there is a chance that you're going to get a walloper. Yeah. I mean, there was there was two guys, um, I go up and support the end of season competition because all their money goes on back on the rivers and they've done a fantastic job up there on the rivers uh, for the spawning grounds for the trout. And there were two guys that came up the night before the competition and they only went out for an hour we was we was actually at the Crowe Hotel at the time, and they went out for an hour and came in, and, and they couldn't believe it. One of the guys had one at twelve pound and one at nine and a half, and they'd only been out there an hour, and it, 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 it took a, a red ass green Peter, wow. a wet fly, both of them. Jeez. And they entered the competition the following day, and never never, never got a fish all day, yeah. you know. And it, it, again, it's right place, right time. You did you fish the rivers at all yourself? No, though. Uh, over here, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've never had chance to, as daft as it sounds, and I threaten it every year, and still haven't done it, um, because they don't they don't seem to get fished a lot in Ireland compared to what they would do in, in England, you know. Uh, and there's plenty to go at. There are plenty to go at. There's no doubt about it. But there's there's always something. I don't know. The corrib just keeps drawing you back. You probably I know. rose a few fish the day before, and you think, well, I'll, right, I'll try something else tomorrow, and I'll go back there. And time just seems to. I, I thought I'd have loads of time when I was tired. I don't. I don't seem to have at all. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but uh, time, I find time goes fast in Ireland. I do when I'm there for a couple of oh, days. I think God. I've only just arrived, and it's like Jesus. But when I it, ask, it's you, the only place. I, I don't know what day it is. To be yeah. honest with you, my wife's the same. <laughs> Sometimes we don't know what month it is. Never mind what bloody day. It's, it's unbelievable. The reason I asked you, did you what... fish the river? Because I remember you saying, didn't you do some sort of testing with the IFI or something on the Kong River many we did, years ago? Yeah, we did down for the for the Kong Club, for the Ferox on, on the Kong River. And, um, well, we, there hasn't been any trout in the Kong River for a good number of years. And, and I think the reason being, which, which is logic really, that the, the Ferox, as you know, the Ferox use the Kong River for spawning. It, it's, it, well, it is the major area on the Corrib Forum for, for spawning. And what's been happened is because the because the Ferox spawn earlier than the salmon, they would come in and, and prepare the reds, lay their eggs, and go back out onto the lake. The salmon had come in, disrupt all the all the all the uh, uh, the, eggs. the eggs that uh, the ferox had laid, and, and, and uh, a pal of mine actually fished it with a, a little goldhead nymph to test what trout was in there, and he couldn't get any trout whatsoever. All he was getting was salmon part, um, and, and, and of course the salmon the salmon do very well in there. 
But of course, there's a big hatchery in Kong, which helps all the salmon, but there's nothing to help the ferrets. So um, Philip Comer and myself and Stephen Lyden and John Lyden and Richard Robinson um, went down and, and Phil had got permission that we could do some in-river works. And we cut sections of chain link fencing up once the ferrets had spawned and we covered the reds um, with the chain link fences. So when the salmon came in, um, when they tried to cut the reds on top of them, they couldn't because of the mesh. And the idea being that we took the mesh back up in April. Uh, yeah, April it would be, or beginning of May. And it was up to the IFI then to do um, some tests on the river so that we got a benchmark, if you like, to follow to see if it had worked. But it never happened. It never happened. So we're not sure whether it was a success or not a success. We, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but, but that was one of the theories we thought we'd try, you know, to, to see if we could keep the trout in the Kong River. Um, and, it, and it really it really wants a study doing on it properly and, and a benchmark set to, so that it's monitored every year to see what's actually happening. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, the salmon don't need any help. Uh, they're fine. There's not, not a problem with the salmon. It's the trout and it's the ferox that's got the problem. Yeah. And, and the more we can do with the rivers in and around the Corrib to improve the, the, the spawning streams and that, it's got to benefit the lake um, all the time. So it's just, it's, it's, it's really, it's ongoing work, Kerry, if you like. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a local club and, um, and we're doing different bits and bobs to improve things. We're, we're, we're getting a survey done on the Cross River um, that comes into Salthouse Bay because they think there's a problem in the river. There's, there's certainly a lack of fish in Salthouse Bay to what there used to be. And, and, and that should be the, the spawning stream for that bay. So we're getting a survey done on that to see what's happening there and see if that can be improved. And you've just, it's like everything. You've just got to stick at it and keep at it and, and keep improving every little quarter you can yeah. to hopefully bring back the days, of, of, of the good days of the Corrib, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of work keeping it as it is. And, and there forward. is, there yeah. is, but it's, it's, it's such a jewel in the crown. All the Western lakes are. But one thing I want to I want to touch on and go back to actually because the one thing would stand out like I, I've got many people I'm following on Facebook, but there's one thing that keeps coming up as soon as I see that boat, my eyes pop out. That picture of your boat, I'm in love with it. You know, I, I've got a boat. It's a fiberglass, and I was told years ago never have a wooden boat because it's going to kill you with the maintenance. But your, your boat well, looks, looks incredible, and I've seen. Yeah. The stages where it was made as well. You've got photographs, which I'll put on the podcast, have, on the yeah, story notes, yeah, yeah. from start to finish. Yeah. Oh, oh, they're, they're, they're a work of art. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But I, I'm, I'm from a building trade background. I had a construction business. And uh, my theory was if you, if you throw a sheet of fiberglass on the water, it'll sink. If you took a lump of wood in, it floats. <laughs> and and, and that's, always, that's, that's always stuck in my mind. But... I was used to a wooden boat because um, Dennis O'Keefe was a wooden boat and it was bigger than the, than the one I've got. And I don't know, they, ju- they just sit in the water right, they drift right, you've got, you've got room in them, they don't, when you, if, you, if you get up to pass somebody, they don't tip to one side as much. 
there's just everything about them feels right. Oh, yeah, they look um, and, and, and I always feel 100% safer in them than I do in a fiberglass in a big wave. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it, it's each to their own. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have got one if I hadn't retired, Kerry, because, yeah. um, and, the, and the younger lads certainly don't, because they, they want to power wash everything. Um, but this, this, this girl comes in, I, I say she comes home every night with me and, and, and goes in the garage and, and as soon as October comes, she's, she's finally sanded down inside and out and two more, more coats put on inside and out and, and keep her right. I, I don't, I did, never did like paint on a wooden boat because it can hide a lot of sins because if you do get water behind the paint, you can't see it. Whereas with a barn, a good quality varnish, if you do get um, some seat behind it, it will nearly always turn black and you can, you can solve that problem very quickly. So you sand it and varnish it every year? Every year, two oh. coats in, two coats out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Frank Costello that, that made me it um, from up near Ashford Castle. There, he 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 he's a fanatic as well, and, and he'll always pop down and inspect it year on year to make sure I'm keeping it right. Yeah, <laughs> you see, yeah. I, I know yeah, Frank, yeah. and I I also know uh, Ernie Leiden, who's from Kong as well, and he's got a yeah. Um, uh, a workshop there and he makes them and repairs them and it's like oh do you know what I, I could just sit and watch them every, for hours you know it's like a yeah, proper... it, it, even the smell you know just the smell of it and yeah when yeah, making, yeah. there's just something about it it never leaves you you know yeah, yeah. Um, but I know I know they've all they've all I know whether it was moms or or, or any of them but they've got a problem now to get good larch that, that's a big problem in Ireland now is this? It is getting planks with you know very few knots in them, um, so they they have got a bit of a problem with that. But and of course there are very few good boat fillers left. I, I don't know any, but I've seen his boats because, as I say, Stephen uh, Lydon has one and John Lydon has one that I think originated from him. So yeah. I've, I've been out in both of them, and they, and they look after theirs as well. You know, they yeah. come home every night. Now they don't leave them on the lake, and it, it does make such a difference. If you actually go into Leiden's Bar in Kong, you'll see uh, um, the bar is one massive piece of uh, elm, and it's Ernie actually yeah. would made the bar as well. So next time we go in, oh, right? was it? I didn't yeah. realise that. So we could talk for ages, and next best thing to fishing is talking about it. But there's there's a couple of questions I want to ask now. You've achieved a lot, and you've experienced a lot, and we could talk about different venues again. But have you got any goals left you want to achieve? Um, if, if I honestly spoke the truth, no. I don't, I don't think I have now. I, I've achieved my goal by actually being here and, 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 and doing what I wanted to do when I retired. And, and, you know, long may it keep on going. But that, that, was, that was my goal. Um, and you've done it. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I left some wonderful, wonderful rivers in England. But this place just, it just draws you like a magnet, or it does me. Yeah. Um, and luckily I've got a wife that's, that's very understanding and she was all for it as well. Now, I have to say, Kerry, she doesn't want to die in Ireland. And, and it was a 10-year <laughs> plan and we've done, we've done seven now. So I, I may end up being back in the UK for, for after the next three. But um, well, I shall certainly be here all summer. There's no doubt about it every year as long as I can do it. Well, you can you can cancel three of those. So you you got three in credit because of COVID. 
so you can stay another yeah, three years. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good idea. I, I will mention that if I dare. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know. I know. I know. The first year I got the boat, she did come out with a duvet um, into the garage when I was rubbing it down for its, <laughs> its winter clothes. Are you sure you don't want me to live this year? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah no, yeah. it's all, all good fun. All good fun. Well, there's there's one more question I want to ask you, know, and I think it always going to be: Where would you want to be to make your last cast? Yeah, that's that is a that is a very good question. A very good question. Um, it could be the simplest of places. It could be the hardest of places. But I, I do think. On a warm summer's night, when the buzz is coming off, I think it would be it would be here in Ballinalty Bay, at the bottom in the shallows, fishing fish small drives. Um, I, th- I think I could easily roll out the boat then and call it call it it on a, on a good fish. If that had to be my last cast, sounds that, like that would be the place. Well, many thanks for the chat. I hope that we'll uh, we'll meet up next month and uh, we'll have a day somewhere. Maybe Ballinalty. We Bay. will. Yeah, you're more you're more than welcome, Kerry. More than welcome. I'd look forward to it. Thanks a lot, Kerry. Many thanks, Ted. I'll speak See you soon. soon. Cheers now. Okay, Bye. matey. Bye bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a patron. Well you will get over ninety past episodes and weekly podcasts, plus photography and exclusive content. To join visit patreon.com forward slash casting with kerry jones or see the link on my website castingwithkerryjones.com well that's all for now tight lines and don't strike too soon <laughs>